Hello and welcome everyone to episode 43 of the Sock Takes Pod, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. we got a great show for you today. Um, smaller panel than last time, only riding three deep today, but we've got one of our regulars, Mr. Aaron Gunyan, co-hosting. Aaron, how's it going, man? It's going really well. I'm glad to be a regular. I mean, this is something that I've always wanted for myself, it's something that my mom has always wanted for me, and I'm just... I'm just happy to be potting with you once again. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, you are a lifer, you know. You're serving a 25 to L with sock takes. I mean, even if you kick me out of here, I'm keeping it on my Twitter bio because that's legit and it's not stopping. <laughs> Word. All right, and we've got a great guest today. He is organizer of the Midwest Pro Soccer Combine, and you probably – Know him as head coach of AFC Ann Arbor of the NPSL. It's Eric Redland. Eric, thanks so much for joining us, and how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on, Kevin and Aaron. i excited to kind of, you know, share what's going on in the soccer world and, and hear what you guys have to say as well. I know you guys have been doing this for a bit and, and have a good following, so appreciate you uh, bringing me on. Our pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. So before we jump into uh, some of the, the, the local soccer stuff here in the Midwest, the Michigan, Indiana area, let's get to some more global soccer. Of course, there's a, a bunch of big stuff going on. We have the Euro Champions League. And, of course, we also have the CONCACAF Champions League going on. So, um, And before we jump into this, why don't we just rattle off a couple scores because uh, we're recording this kind of late here on Wednesday night. The USWNT match just finished up. They they achieved a 1-0 victory over England in the final of the She Believe Cup. So they are the 2018 champions of, of the She Believes Cup. So congrats to the U.S. women's national team. Um, I actually didn't get to watch much of this tournament. I only saw bits and pieces of the match today. But um, from what it sounds like, from what I've read, from you know people whose opinions I trust, it sounds like the USWNT... They didn't necessarily have their A-plus squad called in. Um, also didn't necessarily perform up to standard, even considering it sounded like. But uh, kind of just like, I don't know, um, got stuck in the doldrums in a couple matches. And I, I noticed it seemed like people were saying there were plenty of pockets of time where the other team just kind of uh, took over the match for, you know, stretches of 20, 30 minutes. So. But every time I saw that, in the end, it seemed like they always finished strong. So... Um, having not seen much of it, you know, I hate to, to give too many opinions, but that's kind of what I've heard. But uh, congrats to the USWNT. That's, I mean, how impressive is that when you're not playing your best soccer? Oh, and you still win the title. So hats off to the um, USWNT. And, of course, we have to touch on a big win for the New York Red Bulls just last night. Um, something that no one does. No one in CONCACAF Champions League goes to Mexico and beats those Liga MX squads on the road. But... Congrats to the New York Red Bulls. They did it with a 2-0 victory over Club Tijuana yesterday. And we've got a very good match shaping up right now. It's in the 77th minute. Toronto FC and Tigre tied up 1-1. That's in Toronto. So very interested to see how the, how the end of this plays out. And we'll give you an update maybe here toward the end of the pod on the score. Um, but moving away from North America, Eric, let's kick it over to you. Because uh, while Aaron and I were uh, crunching some numbers and uh, fixing some stuff at work, um, you got to feast your eyes on the Euro Champions League. So I won't ruin the finals. You can jump into that. But uh, what did you see today uh, watching the Euro Champions League? Yeah, I was I was 
fortunate to catch catch a game, the uh, the Tottenham Juve game. Uh, you know, if you're in hot, if you're a Hotspurs fan, obviously, you know, you don't want to talk about the results. Uh, if you're a Juve <laughs> fan, you were quite excited with the with the results. Um, but you know, really intriguing football match. You know, when you look at some of the tactics that uh, uh, Pochino has has deployed this year uh, with Tottenham. I think he's he's really maximized the results with the players. As obviously, there's some good players in the team, but you know some of the tactics that he's integrated with the team's attacking um, have been really really fun to watch. You, you know, really balanced and uh, you know getting getting good guys into the attack. Um, so I thought honestly they would get the results. Uh, you know, being the home team in the match today, but this is football. You know, this is football. They go down on the road. Uh, two weeks ago, and they come back, and they go down at home today, and they and they don't. So uh, it ended two one uh, to Juve. So they'll, they'll they'll push through in this round. Uh, so like I said, uh, unfortunate result for a Tottenham fan, but a fantastic football match to to observe. And uh, what about that other match? Uh, another little layer you could toss in there is uh, uh, the city Manchester City is having is of course phenomenal. So I won't ruin the result. I'll let you get to that, but. Uh, a lot of people are, are raving about Pep Guardiola this year. And, um, you know, he's kind of, uh, you know, your, your favorite coach's favorite coach. That's kind of what he's become, I feel like, you know. Um, so from a coach's perspective, Eric, um, what have you seen from Pep? And if anything, like what lessons could you learn from watching him? Um, and also maybe give us one thing that you think, oh, perhaps he might be a, a slightly overrated in this regard. Um, or you know, one, point out a weakness maybe that he has. You should throw him under the bus. He listens to this podcast. He'll be he'll be <laughs> devastated. By the way, yeah, I'm sure he'll be heartbroken to hear this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I mean obviously you know as as a football coach and probably like you noted most most in the world you know are are tracking pretty closely his work. You know how he how he goes about his business and building his team and the tactics that you know he implements, and you know he's I think he's been revolutionary in the game. You know just with some of the modern modern pressing techniques without the ball, and then obviously the you know the the Barcelona brand that's uh, that's kind of exploded with tiki taki football. I mean that was kind of his you know his brainchild, um, and I think I think he's he's proven himself as a manager now at the top level by you know doing well in Germany and now, you know, getting into England and, and, and doing well. Um, I think his system, he's found a way to, to manipulate his system and adjust things, you know, to some different brands and different leagues, um, which I think sets him apart maybe from, from what other managers have done. Uh, you know, obviously some of the knocks on him, you know, everywhere he's been, he's had arguably some of the best players in the world, you know, so, you know, you have to be able to manage those players, but, as we all say in football, if you don't have the horses to win the race, you're not going to win the race. So he, he's definitely had talent at his disposal. He's managed it well, and he's put players in, you know, good spots to make plays. I think if there's one, you know, component of of his managerial career that 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 I think you could not is I don't think he's actually been somewhere long enough to affect uh, the football club from, from the top down. And what I mean by that is when you look at the top clubs in the world they're producing players who are entering the club at let's say age seven age eight you know and they have a very uh you know a a, a very you know fine-tuned machine in regards to developing players you know they have uh training methods and 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 whatnot that 
you know, they're graduating players through different ages and stages of the club. And at the end of the day, producing a top player. So obviously when he was with Barcelona, you know, Messi made his way through, but Pep wasn't necessarily the guy who put those systems in place and, you know, put all of those players development mechanisms, um, you know, in the club. Whereas if you look at a Sir Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson, for instance, you know, he was the guy at United who was there for, you know, over 30 plus years. And he put all of the player development mechanisms in place. He was the guy who kind of shaped the entire club. Um, so what Pep has done with the talent that he's had and where he's been has been fantastic, but I don't think he's been somewhere long enough to really affect the entire club's operate operation in regards to how they produce players for the first team. Interesting. And there, there was a surprise final in that Champions League game today. Uh, Manchester City actually fell at home to Basel, but um, it did not matter. They won the aggregate easily, 5-2 to two overall. So, of course, it's pretty. It's not a stretch to say that they were not putting out maximum effort nor their best 11. Um, so, but, yeah, it's still surprising to see Manchester City lose at home, um, regardless of the situation. So, from that standpoint, it was bizarre. Um, anyway, moving right along, we got to catch up with you, Eric, back in November, I believe it was, or maybe October. Um, as you were preparing for the Midwest Pro Soccer Combine, for which you are the organizer for. And one thing you harped on was quality at the time. Uh, you guys were very adamant that you only wanted about 70 players in the, the player pool. That way it's not diluted for the scouts and coaches that come. Um, and at the same time, it's not you know too few players. So it seems just kind of like a private workout or something. So uh, first of all, I was unable to attend, but uh, how did the Combine go? first of all. And uh, secondly, can you talk about just some of the guys that you thought were standouts at the Combine that maybe went on and have already gotten signed or maybe even gotten some minutes at some um, some big clubs recently? It was good. Yeah, I appreciate you, you know, bringing this up. It's been something that, you know, we've, we've tried to push in Michigan here uh, for, for two years now, uh, trying to, to provide opportunities for players, obviously, to get to the next level. So the event went really well. Uh, we were at a new new facility this year, which was the Legacy Center in Brighton, Michigan. Uh, you know, beautiful state-of-the-art indoor complex um, that you know was a, was a great move for for the event to to shift there. Um, and I think that added an extra layer to what we were able to provide in year one uh, for the players who came in. So all the feedback from the pro clubs was very positive. Um, <clears throat> Capelli Sport came on as a major sponsor for us. And, uh, you know, provided all the, the, the player apparel and the coaching apparel for the technical staff. Um, so that was a, a, another really good layer uh, that we added uh, this year compared to our first year putting on the combine. So um, good feedback, you know, things that we can tweak and do different better, you know, next year. Uh, but all in all, at the end of the day, like, like I said, we're trying to provide a pathway for players to get seen. And uh, already from the 70 players that we brought in, uh, we have 10, 10 players who have already signed uh, with a professional club here in North America. So, um, you know, to push that many guys this quickly is, is definitely awesome. You know, we've got, uh, let's see, six guys who have signed with USL franchises. We had three players who were drafted um, in the MLS combine. And then we have uh, a player who signed, who signed with the Premier League club in Ireland. So, you know, it's a, it's a good mix and we've got, a number of other players who are still in preseasons right now. Um, and so hopefully there's a few more, few more players we can announce being signed in the next, in the next week to 10 days. 
Okay, well, let's jump right into some AFC Ann Arbor talk because we got quite a few listener questions. We'll get to some of those here in a second. Um, so it's very fascinating to see and uh, healthy to see how many supporters you have. And uh, it was great when we put some of the tweets out there to have people DM us, tweet us, email us. So we ended up with a good five to ten questions here that uh, we'll get to in a second. But um, before we get into those, first of all, congrats on your success in 2017. AFC Ann Arbor finished up 12-1-1, first place in the regular season conference champions in the Great Lakes Division. So congratulations on that, Eric. Um, Thank you. And Aaron, let me kick it over to you because I think you had um, a question to do, a question about something you, you just tied in there for a second, Eric, with the uh, MPSE, which is uh, kind of your apparel sponsor. Yeah, I heard you, Eric. Uh, you mentioned Capelli Sport. I don't know much about it. Can you talk about that deal and how that came about and how good that is for the club? It's great. Yeah, it's great for us moving forward. Uh, I mean, if you follow, you know, the USL, uh, even the PDL and, and, and some clubs that are involved here with, uh, you know, second division, fourth division leagues, Capelli push right now uh, in North American football. So, uh, you know, they last year they had the naming rights for the Rochester Rhino Stadium. Um, now, uh, you know, the lead sponsor for Penn FC. Uh, which was formerly the Harrisburg City Islanders. Um, they've done a deal with the USL. I think they're the official apparel, apparel brand sponsor of the PL now as well. And for you know AFC Ann Arbor, we're the we're the first MPSL club um, that they've announced a partnership with. So you know we're we're excited. You know for us, I think uh, they're a unique brand, but they're an up up and coming brand. Uh, you know with with high quality, and I, I think it's something that our players are going to enjoy wearing and i think it's also a good opportunity for capelli to expand you know their their brand in the midwest you know with, with us coming on board for for both afc as well as the combine um you know we can obviously increase their brand exposure and, and obviously you know we, we we only want to partner with people you know who are who are good soccer people and these guys definitely are I don't mind turning this into an infomercial. I'm fascinated by this Capelli sport thing. So they're Midwest brand. They're obviously up and coming. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a, I'm the know-it-all on uh, soccer brands, but I have not seen this on the shelves. So Capelli is based out of where, and we should have had somebody from Capelli on the podcast, Kevin, we screwed up. Big time. <laughs> Eric, are you still there? My question is, I have no idea where Capelli is located. Did we lose you, Eric? Are you there? Well, I'll just keep talking then. So as we record, or do you want me to save a space and you can chop it out? Did I scare uh, him off? Let's continue going. We'll try to get him back on here in a second. <laughs> well, but uh, yeah, I, I actually I researched yeah, a little bit about Capelli. Oh, yeah. Wait, you must have yeah, muted us, or we just dropped you out completely. Eric, are you back? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I feel uh, like I'm on you... NPR, and you are in a uh, behind enemy lines yeah. correspondent. <laughs> yeah, could you re-answer you that whole me? question? Uh, we 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 missed like the last like forty seconds, probably. Yeah, so they the the Capelli guys. I mean, they have their U.S kind of north american pod runs out of downtown new york city they have a showroom actually uh 
with a lot of their their product, and then they have a warehouse in New, in New Jersey. Uh, um, you know, that is kind of their main corporate office that they that they work out of to to ship gear and things like that. Um, but really good guys. You know, they're highly invested. You know, in the game, not just in North America, but globally, they have you know a club that they own staking in Germany, Ghana, uh, Jamaica, I believe. Uh, so you know, they 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 very much have a world football vision to try to work with. Um, People not only in North America but outside of North America as well. Um, you know they've got—I don't know if it cut out or not. But they've got a, a deal with the USL, the PDL, and then obviously we're the first MPSL club that they've worked with. So um, really, really good guys, really, really good soccer guys, and they—they they obviously believe in their product, and I think it's quality and it's—it's it's good for our brand at AFC Ann Arbor as well. That's good to hear. So Kevin, I can throw this back to you. I don't. Have any more follow-up questions on the apparel for right now? But you know, Eric, if you're back on the show again, I'm going to need to make sure that we have more questions <laughs> to cover. I want to know fit and function of of the warm-ups. I want to know all about it. The durability. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to invite other callers from home and have them share their experiences as well with the brand. It'll be like a true QVC. Yeah. Exactly. I've always wanted to be on one of those. So, Kevin. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll have to get your sizes. Or, we'll have to get you guys some some Capelli swag. Oh, my yes, gosh. I cannot yes. wait. If you just send me the link, I'll, I'll be happy to purchase. I don't like to take stuff from teams and, and clubs that I support, but I will, I will happily purchase because um, I just want to support the game at whatever level I can. Cool. Well, let's jump out to a Twitter question because we got quite a few. Uh, this one was asked by two people, actually, at Coach James Myers and at Paul underscore Thomas. They wanted to know uh, who are the new AFC Ann Arbor players for 2018 and who should fans be excited about among the new players? Yeah, I mean, we do we do have a lot of new players coming in this year, probably more turnover than what we experienced from, you know, 2016 to 17. Um, you know, I think, I think the new, new player names are going to be released, uh, you know, sometime in the next two weeks or so. So I can't, I can't dig in too much with names, but, you know, we, we have players coming in literally from all over the world. We have, uh, you know, player from Sierra Leone. We have a player from Kenya. Both those guys have caps with their national teams. Um, captain of the U23 Trinidad and Tobago national team, uh, We've got a center back from England coming in who, who his team advanced to, I think, the third round of the FA Cup. Um, so we've got, you know, we've got some international guys, you know, and that, that's something that we believe in. We believe in building a, you know, a, a dy dynamic and balanced roster between college players and, and you know, guys who are seasoned, seasoned vets and have some, some, some wealthy experience. Um, so we'll have, we'll have some college guys obviously coming in from, um, you know, I call it respectable programs and, and a mix of these international guys. So we're excited. I, you know, when we look at our roster, maybe we return 30% of our players from last year, which the year before was probably more 60, 65%. Uh, but, you know, we view that as, uh, you know, a new way to open up doors for, for the next generation of players to come through. And, and obviously as a staff, you know, we're always excited to bring new players in and, and work with, you know, talent right you know we want to bring in good people and we want to bring in talented players so i think you know the the mix of players that we have right now we're pretty excited about and while you're talking percentages that ties right into another question we got 
This one was via email from Miriam Rosen. She asks, um, as you begin to put together your roster for this season, um, do you have a percentage estimate breakdown of local versus non-local players? Yeah, good question. Um, we're probably going to be, you know, 50-50, I would imagine, of, of local players versus um, players who are coming in from the outs- outside the area. We're, we're very fortunate, uh, you know, through one of our local partners, uh, Wickfield Properties, and then our, our ownership group, you know, they're very committed to providing, you know, some housing and living situations for players that we do bring in from outside the area. Um, obviously, you can't, you know, build at our level. It's hard to build an entire team that way. So we, we work very hard to try to capture the local talent, you know, who's committed and, you know, who's on our level from a competitive standpoint to bring them into the team. Uh, and so we'll have players drive in probably within an hour radius of Ann Arbor, uh, you know, to be a part of our club, which, you know, y- you have to, again, have that blend of local and, and um, you know, let's call it out of town talent at our level to, to put together a competitive team. Um, but that, you know, that landscape is changing by the day, you know, with all of the clubs that are popping up around us and it's not just here in Michigan, it's all over. You know, there's more competition for local players now than maybe compared to three or four years ago, which at the end of the day, that's great for the game, right? There's more opportunities for more players. There's more clubs. Um, so that kind of changes our approach and how we build the team, you know, based on uh, based on the competition now of other clubs in the area. And one question I wanted to ask you, uh, Eric, was and to give a little backstory to some of the listeners who might not have heard of the story, but. Um, I think it was your only loss last year in the entire regular season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, w- it was a 2-0 loss to Lansing United. And immediately following the, the final whistle, there was kind of a bizarre situation that occurred. Uh, one of the AFC Ann Arbor strikers, Dario Suarez, uh, kicked the ball in the direction of the ref like moments after the final whistle. Um, it struck the ref just in the leg, in the, in the feet area. And he actually received a post-match red card. So he was sent off, even though the final whistle had blown, uh, and then ended up receiving a six-month suspension on top of that. So my question to you, Eric, um, how, do you, how did you handle that situation? And can you give us both a short and long-term perspective? So, you know, how do you approach the player just after the incident happened? Um, and then, you know, once he came out, I saw his, his statement. Um, he was very apologetic. I thought it was a very classy statement. Um, so once that transpires, how do you approach it long-term when you go to the player um, to try to console him You know, after, when, once he's facing this, this lengthy suspension? It's a tricky one, to be honest with you. Uh, it, you know, at, our season is so short. You're talking 12 weeks. You know, and So if, if you kind of pump the brakes or put things on pause to deal with a situation like this, you know, a a week to 10 days go by and you've just missed out on two matches or five training sessions of not being switched on um, to what the group needs. So, you know, we, we essentially in situations like that have to divide and conquer. What I mean by that is we have to take care of the, the majority of the team, right. Which is everybody else aside from Dario. And we have to, we have to get prepared for our next game. We've got to find, you know, who's the next guy who's going to fill his shoes. You know, we have to, we have to dissect, uh, you know, the scouting report, you know, plan sessions, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, in one sense, we're kind of full bore ahead, still trying to pursue uh, success in the season. On the other hand, 
we, we need to take care of Dario. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's was an important member for our club, you know, in 2016, he came back in 2017. So we also have to look out for his best interest and try to help him navigate a, a pretty tough situation, you know, for a young player to have to go through. So, you know, that's, that's where I can't, you know, as, as a manager, I, I can't do all that on my own. So the support staff that we have with our ownership group and the technical staff, you know, we, we all were hands on deck to try to help um, work through that situation. So, you know, it was, it was something that I had never encountered before a, a player receiving a suspension to that magnitude, um, you know, which whether or not it was just is a completely different conversation. <laughs> um, but <laughs> at the end of the day, we had to deal with it. And, and, you know, the good news is Dario has come through that, you know, he's, he's been in USL preseasons on trial, um, you know, so he's, he's worked through it. He's, he's on an upward tick now um, to get prepared, you, you know, for his next step in his career. So uh, yeah, well, it wasn't fun, but we worked through it. <laughs> Interesting. And uh, to give that a little more context to some of our listeners who might not be as familiar with the club, um, he wasn't really, you know, just another striker on the team. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was leading the the Great Lakes Conference in scoring at the time of the suspension. Um, among the the entire NPSL leaders, I believe, which, you know, NPSL has 96-some teams in, in 2017. Um, and he was just coming off a Player of the Week performance, actually, because, um, you know, we actually at Soctakes were an official media partner of the NPSL, so we we vote in those awards. Um, and I remember specifically because I think we uh, we actually ran a, a quick post about when once the press release came out once Suarez won the award. So this wasn't just another striker that they lost. You know, this was you know the leading goal scorer. You know, the number nine up there uh, getting it done for the team. So completely changed the dy- dynamic of the team. And yeah, that was a fascinating answer to to kind of go behind the scenes there to see how the club could could cope with that loss. Um, Aaron. Well, hello guys. <laughs> what up? It's me. I'm back. Uh, I'm on the podcast, and I have some questions I'd like to talk about. Let's do I'm it. I'm always fascinated. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Thanks for participating. <laughs> we should have you on more. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? So we were talking about, oh, the business side, I think, is is fascinating, especially the NPSL teams. You have limited budgets, limited time to work within those budgets. I mean, it, it's a very interesting dynamic at play. There are a couple of things I want to talk about, but first of all, um, where do you stand specifically, you or the club, on the extended NPSL season, if that were to be a thing? And But I, when I say extended NPSL season, there's um, an idea floated out there that we would extend as Americans, we would extend the season a little bit further, give teams more home games an opportunity to earn revenue. I think it's a, you know, it's a model that could work depending on the market, you know, and this is where, you know, the, the football side of the organization and the business side of the organization, you know, really have to be blended and set up for a model like this to be successful. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to the market that you're in. Um, so, for instance, it affects how you build the team from a soccer standpoint. So, if you're, you know, if you're primarily a college-based roster, you know, you've got college guys coming in to play with your club in the summertime, and now all of a sudden you extend the season, you know, you're left with no players on your roster. I mean, look at what happened 
to the MPSL championship this past summer, right? When they extended the playoff run to, to dip into August, you know, one of the clubs didn't have enough players to play almost, right? So, you, you know, you run that risk depending on how you build your team in regards to what your available player pool looks like. Um, on the business side, I mean, you have to have, uh, I think, you know, an even more uh, broader staff, right, to cover all the bases that need to be covered then for that extended season. You know, can you rely on interns or, you know, local volunteers to, to volunteer if you're playing, let's say, 15 home games compared to seven home games? You know, and if you can't do that, how are you going to hire those people to, to work the matches? And, you know, are you going to get enough revenue in to fund that extended season? So, you know, I, I've had I had conversations with uh, Joe Garoni about this um, at the MPSL showcase down in Orlando in January. You know, my message to him and, and I think this is kind of where our club stands is, you know, the M what the MPSL does in the summer right now, I think, is very good. You, you know, we it's a. Uh, it's a league that's been around for a while. It's sustainable. I think the clubs who are involved um, feel like they have a voice. You know, so if you're going to extend the season, it has to be done in a manner that doesn't affect the current model because there are going to be a lot of clubs that it doesn't make sense for them to make the shift. So, you know, it wouldn't make sense to break away 15, 20 clubs you know, that have, I think, uh, a big impact on what we do right now. And now all of a sudden, you know, what's left is not sustainable or set up for success moving forward. Um, so I think, you know, you look at one, does the does the extended season make sense for us? And then you have to look at two, you know, what's done with the clubs that that doesn't make sense for and how, how do you maybe create two sustainable leagues? Because that's essentially what would have to happen for it to, to move forward, in my opinion. And a quick update on that CONCACAF Champions League game. Toronto FC pulled out the win 2-1 to one over Tigres. Uh, very dramatic finish, actually. Uh, a Tigres player actually got kind of a mini breakaway. It wasn't completely 1v1 with the keeper, but Michael Bradley was kind of on his left shoulder but couldn't catch up. And Mavinga just slid in out of nowhere and made a tackle, uh, basically preserved the win. So fantastic finish in that match, and congrats to TFC. Moving right along, let's jump back into a Twitter question because we got a few more to get to. This is a great question because um, it's actually a, basically a fan asking um, for advice how to improve her fandom. So uh, this is from Twitter user at Gabby Rose Garcia. She asks, uh, what as a coach do you want fans to do more of? Attend away games, be louder, make more signs, not yell at the refs. Um, so... What would you say? That's silly. You should always be? be yelling at the ref. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, I think, I, I, I mean, what, what I always tell the players, right, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's who we're playing for is, is our supporters and our fan base and our community. So I think the biggest thing is being present and then making your presence known, you know, so if that's, and that's going to be different for every supporter, right? Some supporters are going to make their presence known by, making a sign or a TIFO, some others are going to make noise, you know, some are going to heckle the referee or the opponent, um, you know, so the big thing is being there, being present. And then the second thing is making your presence known. Um, and I think we, we've made a lot of progress actually with our supporters group, um, you know, and I, you know, our, our message to them is that they're, they're valuable. They're, they're a really important part of what we do. And, you know, they, they help us get through match, match environments. So, you know, th this past, uh, 
season when we went to Detroit, every time we went, you know, it was probably our largest traveling supporters group that, that we've had, you know, in the three years of the club. Um, so to see that growth, not only at home matches, but uh, away support, you know, that really does go a long ways uh, for the players. And I, and it does impact results. There's, there's no way around it. You know, players play for the people in the stands. Um, and so to, to have them asking questions about what we can do better or different, you know, that that's important for us. And another Twitter question, um, quick correction earlier. We had a question from at Paul underscore Thomas 16. Didn't want to butcher his handle. So just to correct that, um, this one comes from at coach James Myers on Twitter. He wants to know what are the team's goals for 2018? Yeah, goals for 2018. I mean, we always talk about obviously making making the playoffs. That's I wouldn't even call it a goal now. It's just an expectation, uh, you know, to be a playoff contention team. And then you know we we want to win a regional championship. You know, we felt like we had done everything we needed to do last year to put ourselves in that position. Uh, and so we, we want to be there again this year. And, and you know, the type of players that we're bringing in and the type of conversations that you know we have with them and the type of conversations that our owners have now you know, that's, that's just the expectation. You know, we want to make the playoffs. We want to win a regional championship and hopefully put ourselves in a position to make a run at a national championship. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's, that's where we're at. And um, I think you know, if you would ask anybody in the organization, that would be the response. And there's also a bit of news in addition to the uh, Capelli Sport Apparel Agreement. You guys also are going to be playing at a new home this season. Um, sounds like there's a little remodeling going on to the turf, the surface there at your old stadium. So what can you tell us about uh, this b big move to a new venue? It is a big move. Um, yeah, we're just essentially moving across town to, to Skyline High School. Uh, it's actually a newer stadium, newer turf. So from a pure you know, soccer standpoint, uh, the surface will be better for our guys to play on that than what we've uh, played on the past two years. And I think even the stadium might be more conducive for our fan base. It's, it's a bit more intimate. Um, I think the sight lines and, you know, the, the surroundings of the field, um, you know, are going to be really nice for our fans. I think people are going to enjoy the move. It's going to be different, right? Uh, you know, it's a different type of atmosphere, a different type of environment. But I think it's going to be a great move. It's a, it's a different side of town. You know, the hope is that we might be able to capture uh, some new fans right in the surrounding community of our new home venue. Uh, but I think from a, from a soccer standpoint, it's going to be a pretty seamless transition. Um, we're accustomed to playing on, you know, turf and artificial surfaces. So, you know, we'll be we'll be excited for the move. And, and you know, we want to try to obviously make that place our own very quickly and, and, and let our fans and, and our players know that. Um, you know, we want to take pride in playing there. Aaron? Yeah, I have questions that re revolve around the stadium and, and maybe U.S. Open Cup. Hopefully, you'll host the Michigan Bucks and defeat them so they don't come to Indianapolis and defeat the Indy 11. <laughs> That's where I'm going with that. It was a long-winded kind of setup. Um, <laughs> but we had similar... Similar U.S. Open Cup woes last year, and I wondered what your thoughts were. You didn't touch on that when you mentioned your goals for the season. Is U.S. Open Cup something that you're interested in? Or are you even qualified for this this round? Yeah, no, that's 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 definitely something on our radar. Uh, you know, we'll, we're we're in based on our uh, 
standings from last season in the MPSL. We obviously got into the competition last year for the first time, which which was great. You know, we went up to the Michigan Bucks and it was a it was a great game. You know, we lost one nil, but had plenty of chances to equalize and and you know have a lot of respect for them and what they do. But on the Indy eleven lost one zero as well and had no yeah. chances. So <laughs> exactly. So, anyways, yeah, no, we're we're excited about the Open Cup. Um, for us, it's obviously a, a separate competition, you know, and we we want to obviously put out a good side. It's it's tricky, right, when you have the college guys coming in. Some players may have only had a session or two with us before that first Open Cup game. Um, so, we actually start training a bit earlier. Uh, we start our preseason April 10th this year, so we can get you know, three weeks of uh, friendly matches and, and preseason under our belt before we enter that Open Cup match. So we're hoping that strategy will will put us on our front foot going into that game. But in regards to us being able to host that match, we're still working through that. You know, we have to put an application in with, with U.S. soccer and then find out whether or not we're awarded uh, the opportunity to host that Open Cup game or, or if we have to travel. Yeah, I'll, I'll be cheering for you guys. There's no question. I don't want to think. I don't want to face the Bucks again. That was dreadful. <laughs> you mentioned a little bit of the starting and the timing of your season. How does that go? What? How busy are you ramping up on your way? Uh, season tickets are available starting in a couple days, and the season maybe starts April 15th. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I mean, uh, our ownership group and ticket sales, uh, you know, administrators are obviously pushing all that stuff right now, you know, on, on the Go soccer ahead, side. It, Eric. Go ahead. Make me buy some tickets. <laughs> Yay. I, I don't have a response. I, I, that's not my department, man. That's above my pay grade. So, <laughs> right. um, no. So on the soccer side, obviously we, we, we've got almost our roster settled. Uh, you know, we've got a couple more, maybe two or three more players that uh, we've got to get buttoned up. But on, on that front, you know, we're, we're pretty much locked and loaded. And so most, most clubs, you know, at our level in our area, will start, preseason like you know last week of april is is kind of a common starting point and we start maybe two or three weeks earlier um you know we've got some local guys who are older who aren't in college programs and so their bodies need you know a couple extra weeks to get going um so we'll start first preseason uh session is april 10th and then we play that weekend uh in our first preseason friendly match and essentially play three preseason friendlies leading up to our uh our MPSL opening match. I think it's May the 5th. We go on the road to Milwaukee. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're about a month away from everything getting real crazy. And we'll jump out to another Twitter question. Our last one. This one is another one from at Gabby Rose Garcia. She wants to know, Eric, what do you wish the casual fan understood better about NPSL or lower league soccer in the USA? That's a good question, actually. Um, you know, I think, I, I, honestly, I think sometimes fans maybe get too caught up in that stuff. Um, you know, I think there's, I, I think there's two types of fans, right? There's the knowledgeable fan base who, you know, consider themselves soccer experts, um, which, you know, could be debatable, right? Um, and then there's other fans who I think enjoy the game and, and they just want to be a casual observer who can come out and have a good time. So, you know, I, I wouldn't get too caught up in, I guess, the knowledge base. Um, what I would say is I would hope that our supporters know all of our players. You know, I think that's that's super important, you know, to know who's wearing what jersey number, 
what position does so-and-so play? Who's the leading goal scorer? You know, I think the more knowledge they have about our club and our team, you know, that that's what translates, I think, into our supporters group going and that connection between the players and our supporters group, you know, continually, you know, continuing to mature and grow uh, from season to season. So that that's what I, I think I would touch on is, is, is get to know our guys and get to know our club, you know, and if you have an interest outside of that, you know, it's, it's pretty easy now to learn uh, the landscape because it changes every second, right. Um, with us soccer. So I don't think you can focus too much on that because, you know, I don't think anybody knows what's going on. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we have, and we have sources. We we definitely don't. And Eric, uh, what's your background in the game, and how did you first get into coaching? I'm I'm originally from Michigan. Uh, you know, obviously from a youth playing standpoint, came through the system here, and I played out at Seattle Pacific University uh, college soccer. Came back to, to Michigan, and then I had the opportunity to go over to England. I played and coached over there. And when I came back uh, from England, I actually moved to Ann Arbor. And I've been in the, the greater Ann Arbor area for the past, uh, going on probably 10 years now. Um, and, yeah, really, you know, from a coaching standpoint, I've always believed that, uh, you know, you've got to be able to coach any age, you know, boys, girls, any level. So that was kind of my, my early coaching journey was trying to figure out, you know, how to run sessions, how to coach games, how to manage players, you know, of all different age groups and, and competitive levels. And, you know, as I've grown, you know, throughout my coaching career, I've become, you know, more focused and more intrigued, uh, you know, by, by the men's game at, at the highest level. Um, I'm still involved in the youth game. I work for a youth club. Um, I help out with a college program locally as well. You know, so I'm, I'm still involved. Uh, with the various levels, but, you know, the, the men's game, you know, with AFC Ann Arbor is, you know, it's an intriguing thing to, to coach players at, at the high, highest, it's not the highest level, but at a higher level. Um, and, you know, manage players, build a team, et cetera, et cetera. It's been, it's been a fun project for me. Aaron, any final thoughts or questions for Eric? No, this has actually been pretty good. Just you and me. I really like this. We should make sure Napoon, does not come on anymore. Um, John has so many questions. I can hardly get my questions in. I love John. Shout out to John. John Leonard. Good guy. But the point is, Kevin, you and I have been having a great time here. Just kind of like tag team uh, WWE style. I guess Always it's not a great right. time. Um. No, I don't have any final thoughts. I guess that my only final thought was just how many questions I got to rattle off. That was awesome. <laughs> well, Eric, thanks so much again for joining us. Where can uh, our listeners find out? Where, first of all, where can they find you on social media? And where can they find the club and find out more information about the club? Yeah, my, my, my stuff, I mean, I'm on Twitter. I'm not probably as active as you guys, but I do have a a Twitter handle, which is at Eric Rudd. Um, easy to find. Uh, in regards to the club, afcnarbor.com, you know, everything's everything's on there. I think, you know, our, our marketing team um, does a fantastic job of, uh, of keeping that up to date and coming out with announcements and things like that. Um, so, yeah, no, that's it's, it's pretty easy. The Midwest Pro Combine has got some stuff online as well. Um, I know you guys have thrown that out in the past. Um, so, no, a- a- AFCNumber.com is 
Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us again, Eric. Thank you, Aaron, for co-hosting with me. This has been episode 43. And thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And we will be potting probably next week. So until then, we bid you farewell and good night.